Hey, it's Robert. In addition to our regular monthly shows, we're excited to be hosting a special all-refugee show. Come hear stories on the theme of home and learn more about Denver refugee organizations like ACC, Mango House, and Project Worth More. The show will take place at Bumport Theater on Wednesday the 31st of May at 8 p.m. Our regular monthly shows will take place Tuesday the 13th of June at Tiger Tiger Tavern in San Diego and Wednesday the 21st of June at Bumport Theater in Denver. The theme will be Road Trip. Next Storyteller. Next storyteller. Our next storyteller. Welcome to the Narrators Podcast. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrators, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. Today's story comes from San Diego artist Nick Molitor, sharing this triumphant tale about making the best out of a shitty situation. The story was recorded live on May 9th, 2017 at Tiger Tiger Tavern in San Diego. The theme was Fashion Victim. All right, so every life has its ups and downs, but 20 years ago, in the winter of 1996, my young life peaked and valleyed in the exact same day. I was a senior in high school. First, you will need to imagine me in high school. Luckily, it's quite easy. I looked exactly like this, Uh, but you'll want to subtract the beard and then add a ponytail and then all the pimples that a face can fit. In addition, I wore a plain black t-shirt and black shorts and black vans every day. For reals, the same outfit all four years of high school. I'd gotten this idea for the daily uniform right before I started high school. My post-middle school self had figured out it would be easier than keeping up with the fashions of the day. And since I was buying my own clothes even back then, I just ran with it. Ran with it for all four years of high school. Some people assumed I had just one set of clothes. Some people correctly assumed that my closet looked like a cartoon character's closet would look. All of this was really just to avoid calling attention to myself, and it pretty much worked. I had just a few friends, mostly holdovers from middle school. I did good in art and English and poorly at everything else. I ate hallucinogens and smoked cigarettes and weed and was kind of a hybrid stoner nerd. Since middle school, I had a crush on a girl named Courtney, but the feeling never seemed mutual. We were besties and nothing more. We ate lunch together and people talked, but it wasn't like that. However, in the winter of 1996, that all changed. She had gone through a couple of breakups senior year with two just kind of okay boyfriends, and I was there for her both times. So, since she had no date, we decided we were going to winter ball together as friends. And then, luckily for me, at some point between getting the tickets and going to the dance, she realized that the answer to her boy problems were in front of her the whole time. And our casual lunches turned into makeout sessions in the blink of an eye. That switch happened so fast, it went from awkward to we are in love with such speed, it made my head spin. And everyone assumed we were together anyways, but once it was true, it became something that we were in on rather than something we both pretended to dislike. Those were some exciting times, let me tell you. Well, the day of the dance rolls around, and we had lunch together off campus like we normally did at a place called Chopsticks that we liked to go to for low main. Uh, That day, I had the curry chicken special instead. And after school, I went and changed into a long-sleeve black silk shirt and black pants because I had to stick to the all-black. I had a a brand to maintain. (laughs) I picked up Courtney in my little blue Ford Escort. She looked amazing. We did the boutonniere and corsage thing, and off we went to the winter ball. And this would be the night that they would all know that it was no longer Nick and Courtney homies. It was Nick and Courtney, boyfriend and girlfriend. And I was ecstatic. So winter ball was held at the Palm Springs Aerial Tramway, which is a tourist destination where you park at the bottom of a mountain, 
and you take tram cars, basically an enclosed ski lift, 8,000 feet to the top from palms to pines. And you take in the majestic views and you can see snow on the ground. So that's where the dance was, up at 8,000 feet. They had an outdoor deck where you could go out and freeze your ass off and look down at the lights of the Coachella Valley spread out before you. It was a beautiful setting. I remember parking at base station, kissing Courtney in the car and thinking, this is the best day ever. And it was. At base station, we mingled and waited in line for the tram car that would take us to the top. And that's when I felt it, a familiar and frightening feeling. My insides were churning. Something was happening in there. But I was at winter formal with my girlfriend, Courtney, and everything was fine. It was fine. We filed onto the tram car with a couple dozen other students, and off we went on the 15-minute ride to the top. And while I ascended into the clouds with the angel of my dreams, my guts, well, they were descending into hell. (laughs) A hell that smelled not of fire and brimstone, but of hot poop and curry. That's right, my lunch was back. That change happened so fast, I went from giddy teenage love to abject teenage horror so quickly, it made my head spin. Again, my stomach was sounding the alarm that I needed a restroom fast, but tram cars don't have restrooms, and I still had 10 minutes to go. So I had to dance and concentrate and clinch for the rest of that ride. Mostly, I was praying to God to not let me shit my pants in that tram car filled with my brand new girlfriend and 25 of my classmates. Silently horrified, I danced, concentrated, and clenched, and made it to the top. Thank you. (laughs) It, It is worth noting that if I had sneezed at any point on that tram ride, this would be an entirely different story altogether. At any rate, we disembarked, and I was on the lookout for the boys' room. Unfortunately, stairs were part of the equation, so en route to the restroom, I had a little mishap. Not a full-on accident, mind you, but for a split second, my mind and body were not perfectly in sync, and there was a sudden spike in precipitation levels in my underpants region. I kept my cool, I split from the group as casually as possible with some flimsy excuse, and walked off carefully to find that restroom. Now, the restroom of the Palm Springs Aerial Tramway was no monument to convenience. One urinal, one stall, not a lot of room in there otherwise. Essentially, it was a campground bathroom in a really nice setting. Someone was using the stall to pee when I got there, so I danced, clenched, and concentrated some more. This time, praying to Satan, Allah, Buddha, someone, anyone, to just show up with a time machine and get me out of there. Since God had let me shit myself a minute ago, I was shopping deities. Sadly, no time machine appeared by the time the stall opened up, so I was on my own up shit creek without a paddle or anyone to help me row. So what to do now that I was in the stall? Well, I had to poop, that much was for certain. That bought me the time I needed to work up a plan, and that plan was this. A, assess the situation. B, do something about it. I couldn't poop all night. I had to go face that music sooner than later, so time was of the essence, and the stakes couldn't be higher. If anyone found out what had happened or figured it out based on how long I was in that bathroom, the resulting attention would surely cause me to die. And Courtney would surely die right after, kind of like Romeo and Juliet, but with poop. (laughs) So on to the plan. A is for assessment. Simply put, I was sick. I couldn't just bail on the dance. For starters, I'd be the only guy waiting in line to take the tram car down to the mountain, which would be weird. And also, Courtney rode with me, and I couldn't just ditch her or make her ditch our friends because I had the squirts. Our fates were linked, even though she didn't know that. So escape being impossible, I had to deal with my mess. 
As for the scene when I finally got to examine my mistake, you know what they say, curry in, curry out. <laughs> so first I decided to get the boxers off. I carefully, carefully removed my foot from my shoe, pants and then underpants, and then put my foot back into pants and shoe. I repeated this process on the other side, and after this deft maneuvering, I had my soiled boxers in hand. Good news was I hadn't full-on shit myself, but I had half shit myself, which at home is no big deal. You kind of laugh it off, but in this scenario, half shit was a half shit too much. Assessment completed. It was back to the plan. Step B, do something. I went over my options. First, I thought, well, I'll just clean them. But then I'm like, you idiot. Hand-washing a pair of boxers in a public bathroom sink and drying them in the hand blow dryer thingy was completely out of the question. Every dude in my entire high school would see what I was up to. Attention would fall upon me, and then death by embarrassment. So I figure I can just flush them. But then I'm like, no, you fool. I hadn't taken a single plumbing class, but I knew that a pair of boxer shorts wouldn't make it far. And it would for sure clog the toilet and possibly destroy the entire fragile plumbing system of the restroom and the tram station in general, which as a reminder was 8,000 feet up on the side of this mountain. I could just see the authorities fishing my wet undies out of the john, and someone would know it was me from how long I was in the bathroom. And then I would not only be the dance pants shitter, I would ruin everyone's night and destroy Courtney, who really needed a win in the guy department. Followed, of course, by my death by embarrassment. So then I think I can just trash them. But no, you fool. They would for sure stink up the boys' room and be fished out of the trash can by those authorities. And then now we're right back at the previous scenario. So I had to think, think. Finally, in a fit of inspiration, I confirmed that the spatter pattern, so to speak, was localized. In other words, it wasn't a total loss. I made some quick calculations, fished my keys out, and used the slightly pointed key to my little blue Ford Escort to saw a roughly six-inch square out of the seat of my boxers. Now, <laughs> using, now, using a dull car key to cut fabric was not easy by any means, but it did work. I was then able to flush, I was then able to flush that soiled square of fabric, holding my breath the whole time and praying to God, Satan, Allah, Buddha, Tinkerbell, and the ghost of John Crapper himself for that toilet not to stop up. It did not stop up. The crisis was averted. I put my ventilated boxer shorts back on, and I rejoined the dance. And for the rest of the night, I could feel a cold breeze flying up my pants any time we went out outside on the deck for air. And luckily, Courtney never knew just how close we were to disaster. Looking back at it now, those 10 minutes in the stall were some of the most terrifying of my life to that point. But I am proud of my performance. I showed some real problem-solving and critical thinking skills. I kept a clear head and didn't take any steps that would have worsened my situation. I really learned more in that stall than I did most semesters of high school. In essence, I learned to make the best of even the shittiest of situations. And even though my stomach was a cement mixer, I'd half crap my pants and then used a car key to excise the soiled area from my boxers. You would never know that looking at the official photo from that night. <laughs> in that photo, in that moment, I had the girl I loved by my side, a refreshing breeze on my behind, and nothing but happiness in my heart. Thank you. Wow. Wow, wow. Impressive. The Narrators is produced by Robert Rutherford, Mary Robertson, Aaron Rollman, and me, Ron Doyle. 
Our assistant producer is Sydney Crane. Our theme music is by Whalehawk. And our founder and executive producer is Andrew Orvidal. A very special thanks to our amazing sponsors, Illegal Pete's, Sexy Pizza, From the Hip Photo, and Renegade Brewing Company. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And join us at one of our live monthly shows, which take place every second Tuesday of the month at Tiger Tiger Tavern in San Diego, California, and every third Wednesday of the month at Bumport Theater in Denver, Colorado. Both shows start at 8 p.m. and are always free to attend. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter, and for past episodes, photos from our live shows, and a list of our upcoming events and themes, please visit thenarrators.org. Thanks for listening.